They'd rather give you a song than diamonds or gold Long star belt buckles and old fade Levi's night begins a new day Do we jump in on the chorus? If you don't no. understand, <laughs> you don't die young You'll probably just ride away Mamas, don't let your babies grow <laughs> Jumped in on the chorus. Yeah. That's <laughs> a great song. It is a great song. And Will Nelson is still doing it, right? Oh, he's doing it everywhere. He's age- yeah. ageless. Yeah, he is absolutely ageless, and he's still got... And he's still got the voice. He's still got the voice, yeah. He was never, I mean, a, he was never a range guy. Virtuoso sort of so deal. He, yeah. yeah, he wasn't a range guy, so he didn't have range to lose like a lot of them do, but yeah, he's fabulous. He's going for longevity. Emmy Lou Harris is another one of my yeah. favorites. She's... A range person who's lost a lot of range, but she still sounds great. But I saw her in 1974 when I was working at the SEC, and she was singing in a little bar that the Georgetown Law students went to. And <laughs> you guys went to bars, and that <laughs> just got to pass the bar. <laughs> and right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, never pass a bar without going in. Now, um, yeah. So, um, Emmylou Harris. She's, uh, you like her, huh? Oh, love her. Yeah. Anyway, we have Paul Haga, um, neighbor and friend of mine, um, down here. And we're, we're on studio, we're in studio E. <laughs> Not A, B, C, D. Yeah, e. A, B, C. <laughs> and we're we, in studio E. We East. lost A, B, C, D, but, <laughs> but we found E. We found E. Yeah. Um, and, uh, in the 11930. <laughs> right. Yeah. So Paul, uh, uh, known for years down here at the beach, and then he's a prep guy. Um, Princeton got a bunch of degrees and stuff like that. Worked in finance for a while. Capital Group, is that right? Capital Group, right? Yeah, and then retired twenty twelve. Twenty twelve did it. some yeah. did some homework. Yeah, yeah. And uh, anyway, now he's down here and he's pretty involved with the Facebook Oversight Committee, yeah. right? The Trust Oversight Board, the Trust that runs so the Facebook Oversight. It's board. the committee. That look that runs the committee that, that helps to govern Facebook. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, we we the Facebook Oversight Board is twenty people. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to expand it, but it's twenty people now, and they sit in panels of five and they make decisions uh, from appeals about either leave ups or take downs decisions that are made by the uh, well initially made by the um, uh, the computers um, algorithms and then appealed to one of thirty thousand. Excuse me, employees who sit in computers around the world with various languages and interpret whether uh, um, something violates the community standards or not. Um, It's a big responsibility. It's a big haul. It's a big haul. And one of the things I, from the moment they started asking me if I would consider doing this, I said, this is going to be a big expectation management challenge because um, this group can clearly make and its efforts can clearly make the Facebook a, a better place to be yeah. um, social media, but it can't keep sixth grade kids from picking on each other. And uh-huh. if we tell people we're going to make Facebook yeah. a perfect experience, yeah. uh, and they just that it, it's hard two, to, well, there's 2.9 trillion, uh, excuse me, two, and I, two point, I've been, I've been reading too many news reports yeah. about Washington, 2.9 <laughs> billion, uh, yeah. users. So, yeah. you know, hundreds of millions of, uh, posts every day, you got to use algorithms and algorithms are notoriously bad at picking up 
subtleties and yeah, uh, nuance, bathos and nuance. The and human, the human element. You, know? you got to have the human element. In fact, yeah. the EU was considering, luckily they dropped it, but they were considering um, uh, adopting a law that said a social media platform cannot take down a post unless a human has reviewed it and made the decision and contacted the person to tell them why. This would eliminate unemployment worldwide. Everybody, <laughs> everybody yeah. would be a Facebook reviewer. Yeah. That were, luckily, they no dropped, money. luckily, they dropped that, so they're not. That's the uh, perfect world solution. Perfect world solution. Yeah, yeah. but yeah. tough to implement, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, how those all these people can get paid? How about impossible to implement? Yeah, exa- exactly. And even <clears throat> even individuals will miss some uh, things that are. Uh, <clears throat> Excuse me. Some things that are uh, um, either nuanced or uh, sarcasm or subtlety or things like that. You'll miss them. Uh, yeah. Okay. And oftentimes it requires a bigger context. So do they make mistakes? Sure. Do they do a pretty good job? Sure. But that's all you can really do. Yeah. You, you want to make it. Try to be, we're going to make it better, not perfect. Imperfect science. Yep. Um, and that I think that probably brings in the idea of the sixth grade bullying thing. It's like, yeah. how do you know the context? You know, how do you, how do you identify something as, as bullying and which might not look like it on the surface? Well, we just announced a case yesterday, um, where the board, uh, told Facebook to restore a, um, a piece that had been written about by somebody in Myanmar. Um, and they used the F F word in Chinese. Um, but apparently it translates quite directly. Mm -hmm. Uh, but Mm -hmm. it was the effing Chinese. Mm -hmm. Um, and if it, it sounded like a slur against a group of people, an ethnicity. And so the, the, um, uh, the actually, oftentimes the algorithm takes it down automatically. Yeah. Sometimes, if it looks a little bit subtle, they'll refer it. So they refer yeah. it to an individual user. The algorithm makes this. If the algorithm is stumped, it, it, exactly, it puts if it the, off in a yeah, bin. Or if it minds it, the algori- algorithm sent it to the humans. Humans yeah. reviewed it. Human supervisor reviewed it. They both thought effing Chinese, mm-hmm. and they were and they were locals. They were people mm-hmm. who were, they were in Myanmar, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, they thought effing Chinese was an indictment, a slur against Chinese people, so they took it down. The board read it and said, no, in this context, um, it was the effing Chinese government, and it's fine to say effing government. It's not fine to say effing people and so they restored it but they had to um you know read it in a very large context to get to that now you know so if i'm the guy complicated if if i'm the guy who's assigned the computer engineer who's assigned to program that one um when does effing chinese mean the people and when does it mean the government um good luck um, so anyway, but we, luckily the oversight board gets, you have to, gets 4,000 appeals a week, yeah. um, that people appeal the, it Jeez. obviously can't handle all those only done about two dozen in the six months they've been going. Um, but the, uh, w- what happens is we have a bunch of people who report to us, my board, um, uh, 65 of them who 
look through the cases and say, okay, you know, I don't, we, we want to pick cases not just because they were decided wrongly, because there's plenty that were decided wrongly or correctly that you want to um, support or affirm, um, but ones that have some kind of a message in there and some kind of instruction we can give to the Facebook people about refining their um, refining their community standards or uh, tweaking the algorithms that'll make it better. So yeah. it's just a constant effort to make it better. And, and, uh, but we're, you know, we're, they, they, they refer to us as Supreme court. It's not exactly a Supreme court, but it is a Supreme court in the sense that we don't take every case. Um, even if we think it's wrongly decided, we take it because there's some kind of message in there that we can, uh, convey. Um, and we say we, you're talking about the, um, Oversight Committee General. The correct? Oversight Committee yeah. General. The Oversight Committee plus the the, you're the, the, you're the trust. The trust. I understand. Um, is it more of a can an argument be made that um, people have to like have thicker skin and uh, uh, instead of taking yeah. taking down so many things, like can we uh, look, look past it? I mean, I understand our current 2021 sort of globe. Yeah, is is sensitive. <clears throat> Sensitive's good, but you know, there's like obviously this slide. There's a line, you know, it's a yeah. slide rule, you know. Yeah. And I guess that's what the committee's for. Yeah, you know, you know to let I, some things slide and take others down. Yeah, and and you know, interesting. One of the things I've learned doing this is that America is singular in its support for free speech, <laughs> and the rest of the world. And by the way, many younger Americans think that. Um, the exceptions to the general principle of uh, freedom of speech are more important than freedom of speech. And so they would draw the line. Most of the world would draw the line in a different place, Mm -hmm. which by the Mm -hmm. way, as an aside, when people start thinking about, let's have government regulation of social media, 80% of Facebook's accounts are from outside the U S. So when they say, let's have government control, which government, Yeah, I don't think that the, um, that Americans are going to support the UN right. policing their social media. And no. I don't think the rest of the world is going to support America no. uh, policing their social media. So, But anyway, back to your question uh, about thicker skin. I would call thicker skin the second most important thing we need. The first most important uh, thing we need is... Ethics? A better... Well, it's ethic. Ethics, of course, is always above all. Yeah. But we, we need to be savvier consumers of media. If you yeah. want If you want to think about it, before the internet, everything you read from anybody um, that went to the public, um, good or bad or different... Um, at least it was curated in some way. Every newspaper had an editor. Every radio show had a producer. Everything you didn't get um, completely unfiltered information from people. As soon as we got the internet, we started getting unfiltered information. And people were accustomed, you know, since Gutenberg, we've been accustomed to reading and hearing and seeing things that have been curated. And... Now, um, all of a sudden, five hundred after five hundred years of curation, we now have um, uncurated things, and we we haven't adjusted to that. And so, people need to. We really need to have people that are savvier about what they read and a little more skeptical, and say this has not been curated. This is not Walter Cronkite. 
talking to me. This is, this is some schmoo I don't even know who's not even using his real name. Gotta have a, uh, uh, a truth filter or detector, yeah. which is hard. I mean, my, my, when I blurted out ethics, yeah. um, I, I was I was more talking about like maybe um, parenting. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, <laughs> I mean, and that's the solution yeah. to a lot of. It's things, solution to a know, lot of or, things, you know. And it's a long. It's a. It's a far reach, you know. It's yeah. like if, if mom and dad, police, or oh, over monitor this, their social media of the kids and stuff like yeah. that. And uh, <clears throat> just yeah. being there. We want the and, government and, to be the parents. Uh, mm-hmm. Sorry, guys, that's mm-hmm. not going to work. No. Um, uh, and being there to be like, all right, I see I, I see something on Facebook and uh, don't believe everything you read, yeah. <laughs> especially yeah. on these uh, uh, social media outlets. And, um, and if somebody is saying something bad about you, kind of like parent and like this is... Yeah. You know, it's anyone could be a uh, tough guy in front of a screen and a keyboard. Yes. You know, um, yeah. But uh, it's uh, it's interesting that like it, it went from like <laughs> when if you look back in history, right? Mm-hmm. But, like before Gutenberg, it, it went from the priests were kind of the only people that could read or the elite, yeah. you yeah. know, or the educated, and they tell you what's in the book, even if it's in the book or not. Yeah. <laughs> well, the other now thing, it's the opposite. Yeah. The other thing that happened is you were in the marketplace. And people, travelers from all over were going through the marketplace and you were hearing things and you had to do your own curation because you, you, you know, you, mm-hmm. you had to, you had to start identifying people you trusted with news. And that's, what's what we need to do now. Find trusted sources. Yeah. And of course I would say NPR, but others, yeah. would, <laughs> others would say other things, but yeah, 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 yeah. It's, uh, don't believe everything you hear. And, and yeah. reading stuff, and the thing about thing about it is the tough thing about it is it's like the idea of technology is a, it's a it's a beautiful thing, um, and it's done a lot of great things. But like yeah. any anything that I think personally that it's like way up here good, yeah. it can have a, a downswing that can be bad. Yeah, you know, it's the yeah. double edged sword yeah. idea. Double edged sword. Well, I'll just give you one example. One of the cases that the uh, <coughs> oversight board decided. <clears throat> Excuse me. Was is called the hydrochloroquine case. Yeah, and the um, the algorithm uh, was looking programmed to look for misinformation, particularly about COVID. Yeah, uh, there was somebody who wrote something along the lines of, um, "We shouldn't be so absolute and dismissive of hydrochloroquine because it actually can." Um, can have be useful in uh, in treating and dealing with COVID nineteen. The problem was that you know Trump had overstated the the use of or the benefits of hydrochloroquine and uh, suggested people that as a result people didn't need to mask up and you had this yeah. universal cure. So the algorithms were too hard on hydrochloroquine and taking out any reference of it. And the um, oversight board took one of those on appeal. And said, no, this mention, this person's mention of hydrochloroquine was stimulating scientific debate. It wasn't misinformation. But again, context matters because you, you couldn't, you couldn't solve this just by finding the word hydrochloroquine yeah. and nixing it. You had to actually, you know, read the whole thing. So that's A, it's a challenge, but B, it's one of the ones, one of the things that, uh, um, 
that Facebook's trying to get better at with the help of the oversight board. It's the um, maybe the same thing that applied to F the Chinese. It's like, all right, I'm trying to start a conversation about yeah. the state of the Chinese government, not yeah. not indict a whole race. Exactly. Exactly. But you need a whole lot of context. A whole lot of context. And you need you need both context and you need such a fine um, line. You need people who are familiar with the language and the idiom. I don't. You know, it sort of reminds me when uh, in coming to America, when people Uh keep yelling "f you" and he he yells "f you" back, and he says, "I got to figure out what that means." (laughs) (laughs) If you're not from the hood, (laughs) you don't know what's a what's an insult. Yeah, that's what that's where you rely on, I guess the the global thing. You know, you have a, a, a the not, people who are on this committee said like one hundred and thirty thousand people around the globe, something like that. Thirty thousand, yeah, thirty thousand. I mean, still, it's a lot yeah. of people. Uh, so you'll defer to people over there with, to in order to gain the context. Exactly, and the and the the oversight board is. Um, 20 people, only five of whom are from the U.S. Yeah. And so, you know, the Trump case, uh, one of the things they, when they, when they, they do it in panels of five. Yeah. And they always try to make sure that the panel, one person on the panel at least is from the region. Yeah. So there'll be some better understanding. Yeah. But then the whole committee of 20 votes before it goes out. So one, one group decides, one group writes up the opinion and then the rest of them get to do an up or down vote. The Trump case are you talking? You're talking about January six. Ja- well, the, the yes, January six was the uh, the attack of the Capitol. Yes, um, I looked at <laughs> and then he, he, Donald Trump still has a Facebook thing, but it just happens, yep. it ceases on six. You know, Correct. January six. Yeah, and I looked at the well, his posts a lot on January six, about like six or seven. Um, it yeah. is it because what he wrote on Facebook. Facebook? I didn't see right. anything that said to really, correct me if I'm wrong, go to the Capitol and like you know, <clears throat> protest. Yeah. You know, the... Um, or is it, uh, or is actually, it like his whole body of, of work in a way? All of the above. Yeah, okay. <clears throat> but, you know, most of, most of what, um, <clears throat> excuse me, most of what uh, Facebook ends up and others end up taking down um, would not, a government couldn't take it down under the First Amendment. Uh-huh. Um, and that's one of the reasons, in fact, that the Trump case that he's brought, uh, against, um, Facebook and others is, uh, which I think is very interesting. And I'm actually glad he brought it because it's going to, even if it, if, if it gets thrown out of court, um, it will, um, people will write law review articles about it and it will, will help set boundaries as to how much influence the government can have over social media platforms yeah. before the first amendment kicks in okay because it becomes indirect government action the government the actually the government could have taken down trump's posts um during january 6 because they fit squarely with the uh it's, case is called Brandenburg versus Ohio, but it's a, it's a case that said, uh, there's no first amendment protection for you. If you, um, if you're inciting somebody to riot, but it has to be within the context of when there's the means and the likelihood. So if I write an editorial that said, says, you know, we should burn down Georgetown prep, um, 
that's not a problem. But if there's a crowd of people in front of Georgetown Prep with matches and torches, and I get them whipped up to a froth, and I say, you know, go set it on fire, mm-hmm. um, then it is an exception to free speech, and I can be punished uh, for that. And he, he was pretty much on all fours at that time yeah. with it. The the In the case itself, as you know, if you read it, the uh, one of the issues was that Facebook's own rules didn't provide for uh, indefinite suspensions. It was just no suspension at all or one that had a time limit on it mm-hmm. uh, or a permanent suspension, yeah. but not an indefinite. And so um, <clears throat> they... Uh, the, the board sent it back and said, follow your own rules. Um, and they did, and they came back with a two-year. Yeah. I got gotcha. you. Yeah. Um, so um, was it what Trump said at the rally that got him the ban? Because, again, I'm, I'm looking at Facebook. His posts on that day, maybe I missed something. We're kind of just like he's digging on Pence. Um, he... Uh, he said, "Support the police. Be be peaceful. Always be. We we are the party of law and order. Mm-hmm. You know that sort of thing." Um, but it, it didn't say yeah. on the social media. I didn't see. Yeah, to go and uh, he, fight. Yeah, it was. It, it, you're right. It was a combination of things. He didn't specifically say go go. You know, beat up people at the Capitol and break. And in. he said on but, at a speech, go yeah, fight for. Yeah. Yeah. democracy right and people interpreted that literally yeah they interpreted it literally and you, you know they were are they were armed and whipped up to a froth and so in the context in which he said it if you or i said on this on this uh, podcast yeah. um it's a good idea to fight for democracy yeah that's no problem at all but yeah. if they're armed and whipped up to a froth and heading off and they got a bunch of weapons. Yeah. Um, and we say fight for democracy. And in the context, people understand exactly what that means. It means storm the Capitol mm-hmm. uh, and go get Pence. Um, mm-hmm. Then clearly that's a very different thing. So you just, again, you need con- context is so important. I agree. But the, um, but he didn't say it on Facebook, right? Correct, and you know, so it's, again, it's, it's fa- Facebook taking someone's actions outside of the platform, absolutely and penalizing yeah. them for yeah. it or something, and I mean, that and that con- maybe that counter argument. Con- that context was important to them. That because you know, part of it is if you take yeah. some, if you take down somebody's post, fine. Yeah. If you take down their account, um, it's it's based on a likelihood that they will continue to do things like that. And we, we do take, we take down lots of accounts. Yeah, it, may, it makes sense. It's kind of like you know? the, uh, the terrorist argument, yeah, right? Yeah. If, you're a ter- if you're a confirmed terrorist, you don't have to say anything on your yeah. Facebook page. You're, you're not going to be allowed yeah. to be on that <clears throat> platform. Right. Well, you know, one thing that the Oversight Board commented on, too, in the context of the Trump case, uh, <clears throat> commented to Facebook was, you you really should let you have internal rules about when you cancel an account versus take down a post and you really should be more you should be clearer with the public about what where that where you draw that line if you do indeed have internal rules they had a three strikes rule yeah <clears throat> trump had seven strikes he was yeah. he had seven things taken down before that mostly uh misleading stuff about COVID, yeah. but he'd had other stuff taken down and, um, 
So he had seven strikes, and then they they you know they took that's down a his full account. inning right there. But yeah, right? <laughs> about <laughs> that's an inning. I you know yeah, yeah. what pitcher wouldn't like to have seven strikes? You know, yeah, 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 would yeah. like to have seven strikes. Yeah. But the um, uh, you know, again, it's it's a it's it's ju- it's judgment, yeah. and it should be judgment because you know human uh, nature. I I was actually I would have thought. Um, and this was just guessing. Um, I knew they would uphold the original ban. Um, I thought they would let him back before the 22 elections. They didn't. He's back before the 24, but not before the 22. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so when, so the oversight committee has been around for how long? But, um, start though. The first, this first cases were taken up last October, October, 2020. Yeah. So okay, it's cool. less than a year. I think I saw something in 2020. I was just looking through news stories about how Facebook had kind of taken down a ton of stuff, right? 40% or something like that of misleading content last year. Is did it, am I reading did I read it right or something? Is that the beginning of the oversight committee or yeah, Well, Facebook's always had community standards yeah. and they've always had the algorithms. Mm-hmm. And what happened was over a year ago Back in, I think it was fall of 2019, uh, Mark Zuckerberg said uh, publicly, uh, you know, we're making decisions here that we're not, we're a bunch of nerdy engineers. We're making decisions here about free speech and public policy um, and harm to communities that we're, we're, we're not the best equipped people to make them. It's not our background. It's not our training. And, um, so this really should go to a you know broader group and to, yeah. you know and the people that are on the oversight board are human rights um, advocates, Supreme Court justices, the former Prime Minister of Denmark, you know people like that, you yeah. know, UN types, and and people who have a lot of experience in these uh, in these areas and. Um, and you know, I think he was sincere. People say, "Well, you were just doing that to avoid government regulation, or you were just doing that to uh, make your stock price go up because you're now the number one hated entity in the world, and you <laughs> you want to slip down to three or four, and and uh, <laughs> maybe yeah. maybe your stock price, you know, and you know who knows what those. But I really think there was a sincere yeah. aspect to it, and and you know, it's hard for a company to invent a regulator which in effect this is and say you you, here's some absolute authority you have Mm -hmm. up or down Mm -hmm. and you can publicly comment to us about things we should do Mm -hmm. and we don't we don't have to do what you say but we have to respond to what you said in the recommendation pieces they have to do what they said in the up or down uh thing it's binding it's binding. Yeah. It, up or down is binding. Yeah. Uh, for specific. Talking about the things. oversight committee. The oversight committee. Yes. The oversight board. They yeah. are kind of yeah. like yeah. the parents or the Supreme Court, as you say. Supreme Court. Yeah. yeah. So for people, you know, how many other companies voluntarily devolve some authority over yeah. their business yeah. to another uh, entity um, and do it separately and, you know, no right of appeal, et cetera? It's amazing. Yeah. Uh, did you see the movie Social Media? Or is it I, called uh, Yes, yes, is it yes. Called yep, yep. The beginning of Facebook. Yep. Who mm. would have thunk <laughs> how uh, larger, yeah. larger it's grown? You know, yeah. The animal that it's just uh, uh, grown into. Yeah. And and what other company would uh, allow for a group of people to, to influence their company? Yeah. Um, yeah. How many, other, how many other companies are Facebook and, and slash Instagram? You know, it's a yeah. very unique. Yeah. 
animal that uh, you need. Uh, and, and it's like we haven't been down this road before, you know. And the worldwideness of it. How, how many things are, you know, you look at our regulatory um, structure that we've inherited. And, yeah. You know, the antitrust laws are full of references to whether things are in one state or across state lines. Yeah. Well, hello, that, you know, continent lines don't <laughs> matter anymore. <laughs> so yeah. we're not exactly, yeah. uh, we're not exactly equipped to, to uh, think about things in those terms. And the World Wide Web, it's yeah. not the United States Wide Web. Absolutely. You know, it's a crazy thing. And, you know, the, the, when people say social media is just an unmitigated disaster, my responses are Arab Spring and Cuba. Mm -hmm. And how would those people have gotten together? And how do messages about what's going on in the rest of the world get to get to Myanmar and things like that? I, I just I, I think it's a it's yes, it's something that introduces challenges, certainly. But it's a and, and by the way, the the um, the argument is way past about whether we should have social media or not. It's here. It's going to happen. Yeah. And just the question is, how do we handle it? It's power to the people. Yep. Um, I think that I saw something recently. It's about like one person, <clears throat> if they have enough followers or even not, if it gets reposted, can really ruffle the feathers of a company by putting something negative oh, yeah. public, <clears throat> whether it's truthful or not. If you say something about Johnson and Johnson mm -hmm. or something, yeah. You're gonna you're gonna raise the eyebrows. They have a whole probably committee of people yeah. that watch out for those sort of incidences to keep their reputation intact. Yeah, you know, you and know, one of the it's, people, again, it's good, it's good, yeah. good and bad because you got to like, is it accurate? Whatever this person's exactly. saying. Well, that's the problem. That's why you got to read all the posts. You know, if you're going on TripAdvisor or something. But you know, one of the things people there's a lot of speculation now about um, how rude people are, and we um, are agents who rent our other uh, beach house mm -hmm. um, have talked uh, about this is the worst summer ever for just rudeness of tenants and complaining and stuff. And I think one of the things that's caused that is people have gotten so used to being able to put things up on TripAdvisor or, you know, one of those uh, commentary things about a restaurant or a hotel or yeah. something that they wouldn't dream of saying in person to somebody. And, I think that's sort of caused that that phenomenon has just caused people to to just accept a level of impoliteness and rudeness and and coarse conversation that would never exist when you had everything you you said you had to say face to face to somebody. Kind of comes back to parenting and education. It comes a know? lot back to parenting and education, and just because you can Building. get away with posting something anonymously doesn't mean you should. That's a uh... I think it's Frederick Douglass. It's easier, it's better to build, you know, raise good children than to correct, you know, correct yeah, uh, the, the, error, the yeah. errors of adults or something yeah, like that, yeah, you know? Yeah, no, it's really, it's really important. <clears throat> ounce of prevention always a pound of medicine. Yeah. But uh, it's just uh, the premium on, you know, I've been in education, you've been around education a ton mm -hmm. of just uh, getting kids and understand you know, the world. And, and the, the, the challenging thing, and I saw person. this, I was chairman of the board of our kids, K to 12 school for yeah. a number of years. And um, the the hard thing is to figure, the, the kids need lines. They need mm -hmm. line drawing, but they also don't need to be uh, permanently scarred by their 
previous behavior. And so how, yeah. do, you, how do you balance, yeah. um, how do you balance having lines, but not, you know, and they, we, the argument was always, you know, on the record suspensions for high school kids goes on the record, you know, hits their college application. Mm-hmm. Um, when do you do an on the record? The answer can't be never, but it can't be always. Um, and you just got to draw that line. And it's, it's very hard. I have a lot of sympathy for anybody who works with children figuring out the balance of, uh, of consequences. It's got to be consequences, but the consequences shouldn't destroy their lives. Correct. So, Correct. And I'm sure you got into a lot of that with yeah. coaching and teaching. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it's like the, the height of the inexact science. It's just yep. a total art. Yeah, and, <clears throat> and that, somebody's uh, always watching you and criticizing and you. And the decision makers, the the people that that might have you know messed up, are human. The the judge, jury, whatever the decision makers are human. Yeah, it's just a, a flawed uh, a pot, a stew on the thing, and it's just like it's, yep. hard, it's hard to make sense of. Not to say that you throw your hands up and don't. You know, yep. it's, it's, you yep. got you have you have to. You know, yeah, make you can't the best tolerate human, everything, but human you decision also, or outcome. Yeah. yeah. You exactly. can't have capital punishment for foot fault. Right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly right. Exactly right. So have you um you've been involved with the oversight committee for since the inception, since October well, in, in was it fall twenty twenty, you said? Yeah, here's what happened. They um in May of twenty twenty they um announced the members of the oversight board and earlier than that, over the course of the spring they hired the CEO, was a guy in London, wonderful guy named uh, Thomas Hughes. Yeah. Um, and the many of the now 65 staff. And then in, I think it was September, they announced that my board, the trustees, to whom the oversight board members would report and to whom all the um, employees would now report, uh, were extant and I've never been in a situation where something existed and it had been running for a number of months, and then uh, somebody came in and said, uh, "Here's your new, here's your new bosses." So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I and my little board swung in on a vine and had to run something yeah. that was already running itself. So yeah. that was a challenge, uh, but I think we've, uh, it's we've ne- done a good it's job. It's necessary. Your presence of you and the trustees, you well, it's, you know, it's the, needed. The, the oversight. Well, first of all, the oversight board were. were we're picking the new members. We, my board, the, understand. The trust, trust, pick trust, the board picking members. the oversight board members, and they have terms. And when they're, the terms are three years, when the terms are over, we have to renew them or non-renew them. Select other people. We have to. Uh, we pay them. Uh, the Facebook put one hundred and fifty million in a trust, um, and we use that to run. And we have to renew it when we run through it. Um, and it, it basically, the, the oversight board has to have somebody not named Mark Zuckerberg to report to. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's kind of as yeah. simple as that and that they'll oversee them or they're not truly independent. Yeah, it makes sense. So that's what my little board does. Even makes we, don't, sense. we don't make the decisions about Trump and others, but we're, Correct. we're supervising the people that do the research that, that make the decisions. Makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And um, it's, it's really, it's a, it's a form of independence. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Um, and you like it. I love it. I'm yeah. having a great time. And, you know, one of the balancing tests is, uh, I've said this many times in the context of our meetings, is that independence doesn't mean isolation. And 
some people will say, well, did you talk to people at Facebook? Did the oversight board members talk to anybody at Facebook? And they want the answer to be no. And I said, I want the answer to be yes. I want them. I think you make better informed decisions if you're talking to people and understanding them, even if the people you're talking to are the people whom you're regulating, yeah, you're making the decisions about. And I, I've just never thought, but in a in a kind of a naive view that you sometimes get from young reporters and cr- critics and others, they'll they'll think, oh my gosh, you got you guys just got to go off off in a room and make your decisions without any. But and I know it's, it's exactly the opposite. The better informed you are, boots on the ground. The better, exactly. The better informed you are, the better your decisions, and frankly, the better they are, the more independent they are, because they're informed. If you can, yeah. If you, you're, <clears throat> excuse me. If you can be mature about, it, if you're a mature individual yeah. that can be like, all right, I'm going to go talk to these people, gain it more information. Yeah. If they can be responsible and not put on a face or a yeah. fraud, you yeah. know, to understand the information that you are receiving from them is accurate so yeah. you can can you correctly make whatever decision needs to yeah. be made well the good news about being facebook be adults here. and being facebook and public enemy number 1 you, there's no danger that we will sway we will be swayed by public opinion because public opinion's all over the place. Everybody's yelling at us and everybody hates us. Yeah. So the good news, that gives us a measure of independence because we're not going to please anybody yeah. anytime with our decisions. So yeah. it's yeah. That, that, that's very liberating. It's going to upset some people. <laughs> to be everybody's biggest enemy is liberating. And then, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, say that one more time. To be everybody's uh, biggest enemy is, is liberating, liberating. So? because there's you're you're in no danger of you know sw- you're going to upset somebody. Yeah. yeah, you're in no danger of being swayed by public opinion because yeah. you're there's no easy way out. You're going to be criticized no matter what you do. So it frees you up to do the right thing. And I and I think that's I I, I think our decision. If you go look at the couple dozen decisions that yeah. the board's made, there there's there's a lot of there's a lot of balance and yeah. there's a lot of courage and there's a lot of. Um, a lot of really good suggestions in there. Yeah. And you hear, I mean, you're always going to upset some group of people, right? Yeah. And those are the, and those are the people that you usually hear hear from. You, yeah. re- you rarely get the praise from the, pe- oh, uh, from the, the, the people that are happy I, about, they just move on with their lives. I, you know, I, don't kinda... think, I don't think I've ser- seen the word thanks in our, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. in our things yet. But, yeah, uh, that's you're right. Human nature. Yep. You know? Yep. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's so. Yeah, I love when I said, "Do you like it?" And you're like, without a blink, you said, "I love it." Yeah. <laughs> well, it's interesting. Well, you know Blythe and Heather, of course. Well, you've known Blythe since she was a baby. Correct. Um, Blythe and Heather both said, "This is a suicide mission. Don't do it." You know, it's likely to blow up. And oh, and I said, "Look, I'm 72. If I were 42, I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't be asked to do it. But I wouldn't have done it because I would have said, well, 'Well, I'm you know looking. I'll be looking for more.'" gigs and maybe this will um, blow up on me. So I probably wouldn't have done it. But at 72, I just say, so what? So I don't get any more gigs. I don't yeah. need any more gigs. Uh, and it's I liberating. Don't, in I the... don't want them even if I get offered them. So yeah, you feel that's a big challenge. It's a big challenge. It's a, it's, it's challenge in a lot of ways. It's a, um, it's a public relations challenge to, to get across what we're accomplishing while still managing people's expectations about not being not making it perfect, yeah. so that's a challenge. And you know, having we we 
we may have gone overboard, frankly, in the managing expectations part of it because there's a lot of good things that we've done that a lot of people don't know about. And uh, um, and part of it is just getting people to understand the volume we, that the oversight board has, to, that Facebook has to deal with internally, and then that the oversight board, we've got to do things in such volume that uh, the ability to, you know, yelling at us for missing context on one of our hundred million posts that week um it's just it's not it's not realistic yeah it's the idea of uh yeah you do great for a hundred but you might miss one or something. you <laughs> yeah. do great for like a thousand you miss a couple and it's like you know what am i batting right now what's well, my percentage well, you, you know, know? You, you see editorials in the paper <clears throat> occasionally op-ed pieces where someone will write you know here's my post that facebook took down how yeah. horrible and every time i read one of those i think if the board had decided it, they would have left it up. On the other hand, I can absolutely see why the algorithm took it down. And even if it got bounced, even if you complain and that bounced it to a human, um, why they took it down because of what you said and the, the challenges in, in figuring out the context. And the, yeah, the reality, you know, th- those are things that those are, Post that slip through the cracks, right? Yeah. Um, and the, but the reality is that everything that might slip through the crack is a individual and what yeah. they believe, you know. Yeah. Which is yeah. which is uh, you know, it's uh, when you write something or you post something, it's an intimate portrayal exactly. of who you are. Yeah. Um, and I, I'm going off the con the the assumption. Uh, it's incorrect though. But that everything, whatever everyone posts is a reflection, a real reflection. It's not fake, you know. But and when someone gets the X, you know, by what because what they put, it's uh, it uh, it really hurts. It hurts. Yeah, yeah. yeah, For you know, for us, it's one one hundred millionth of the things are taken down. For them, it's one of one. Yeah, exactly. One of one. Exactly. Well, well put. Yeah, they're. Of course, you're going to be upset, and we understand that. Yeah. And we try to, you know, try to deal with that. But, yeah. You know, I don't think we. I said before, I don't think that the whole system, both Facebook internally and the oversight board, get it perfectly. But, but it's better. It's and, you can choose your term. It's either a better or a less bad yeah. experience because yeah. of the oversight board. And if the one person can hopefully have the perspective of that's an imperfect science, yeah. and it's not. Maybe a, a total slight or attack yeah. of of him or her, whoever posted it, would would be help would be great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. that's what that's the whole idea of the thicker, yeah. thicker skin thing. Yeah, is just to realize that this is not uh, you know, I don't know. It's Facebook, Instagram is not life. It's not your whole life. It mm-hmm. can be a percent, a part of it, an aspect of it. But like, you got to put the screen down and go walk around and start talking to people and living. You yeah. know, instead of just living through. Well, yeah, just to sort of conclusion, what. You know, wait till you see, if if the if the federal government tries to take this over and regulate it. Yeah. Wait till you see this crap that has to stay up because of the First Amendment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And will be you know probably ninety five percent of the stuff Facebook took down would not the government couldn't take down. Huh. And so it's going to be open you, season. You, you think it's uh you think it's a. a a wild, wild west now. Yeah, yeah, wait, yeah. Till, wait till you see it when the government is restrained by the First Amendment. Yeah, and that's the that's yeah, a, when like and, a, that, that Trump litigation. 
that he's brought is going to, I hope, be useful in defining those terms, even if the case doesn't go forward. What's Trump's like kind of argument? His argument is that there's been so much collaboration, like, for example, um, Facebook uh, uh, developing its standards for taking down COVID misinformation in very significant consultation with mm-hmm. CDC. Mm-hmm. And that, that, so therefore there's been so much, um, and there've been other areas in which they've consulted with government officials and that the government has been so involved in the development, both of the, um, Facebook, um, community standards and of the practices followed by both the algorithms and the humans, the 30,000 humans in taking things down that, the government is, it's an indir- it's indirectly a government agency. I understand. And therefore, and there's a bunch of cases that have come over the years where if the, you know, when the government's been heavily involved in something, even though it's a private enterprise, mm-hmm. the First Amendment and, and other um, uh, Bill of Rights protections will apply. Makes sense. Make, yeah. 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 And so it's just, it's really, it's, again, it's one of, of degree. It's how much, how much involvement has there been? I think, the, the the legal scholars um, are pretty uniform in saying that the case uh, the case should be thrown out mm-hmm. um, on those grounds that it isn't so much government protection that the First Amendment applies. On the other hand, there is some point at which the First Amendment kicks in, and then uh, you know we're all and by the way, the rest of the world doesn't live by our First Amendment, and they're not going to be so happy about having a um, having a uh, the algorithms be and the and the judgments uh, be so limited as they would be if the federal government were involved. It's not so, going to happen. I mean, it might happen, but it would be bad. If and then, happened. where's the jurisdiction? We don't even know where a lot of these posts it's, come from. So, how are we going to know which ones originated from the U.S.? So the U.S. government has jurisdiction. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Do you have Facebook? You know, I do, and I got it just in time to uh, to do the job. I hadn't done it before. I don't have Instagram. I don't have yeah. any of the others, uh, WhatsApp or any of those. And I, th- I think I've sent probably 50 messages, um, and it's a total of 100 words because the messages all say happy birthday. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not, I wouldn't call myself an active user. And so it's a healthy way to... To use it, you know. Yeah. My mom and dad uh, got it when I was out in Santa Fe, and it's a good way to, you know, if you for family, you know, yep. pick pictures and yep. that sort of deal. Yeah. We just had the salty dog, and <clears throat> I'm gonna have a little salty dog page, I guess, for yeah. photo sharing. Yeah, yeah, no, I've seen that. That's <laughs> so great. That should that should that should stay up. Oh, that should stay. We'll never take you know. Call me, call me if they try to take down the yeah. salty dog. Yeah. Um, well, well, good luck with yeah. all this stuff. Yeah, you know? thank you. It's like the tip of the iceberg. I mean, it's not going to get any any smoother seas ahead. You know, it's always going to be a yeah. little bit uh, yeah, tumultuous we, it, and a challenge. And that's it, maybe the reason yeah. why you you're keen on it and you love exactly. it. Exactly, I yeah. love it. You know, humans are human beings are infinitely challenging, as I found out in all my career involvements both both working and being on nonprofit boards as yeah, uh yeah. has told me humans and I used to say to uh I used to say to my colleagues at uh at work and my staff at uh at Capital Group, I used to say, you know, if you guys weren't driving me nuts, I'd go nuts. <laughs> <laughs> and if I just had to, you know, look at the law books as I did as a very young lawyer, um 
I, I just wouldn't have sustained me. I need the I need the complexity of uh-huh. the human element. Uh-huh. Um, applied the law, not applied. that the, not that the law was so simple or that I so mastered it. But, yeah. But you know, getting beyond just doing pure legal research, Theory. I could never be an academic. Um, right. Although I would have loved the teaching aspect, as you yeah. know, you do. Um, but that, again, that's, there's that—that's that's the human right. element and the interaction. Yeah. And the, it's applied applied philosophy in a way. Exactly. A, 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 yeah. You take your knowledge. Well, I and never, I never apply I, it to the real world. I never understood. I never really understood things until I taught them. Yeah. That's and like, then I yeah. really understood them because yeah. you 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 think you know them and then you try to convey them. Yeah. in a sensible fashion and so i i often taught it as an adjunct uh taught law courses i just right. taught one last spring cool uh at uh, penn law school and cool i could get all kinds of great um uh lectures to come guest speakers to come um to my class um because it was zoom and they yeah. asked me to do it again and it's gonna be in person and i said i can't i i I Standards can't, I can't get set. To, I can't get to Philadelphia every Wednesday night, and I, yeah. you know, I got Larry Hogan to come speak Sweet. to a class. Governor Sweet. Hogan and uh, kids loved him, and I said I can't, I can't drag him up to Philadelphia. Mm-mm. So anyway, it's, you know, it's one of the things about um, uh, about COVID mm-hmm. is we've kind of we've we've developed we've developed a flexibility mm-hmm. that's going to be important going forward. I don't hope, I hope we don't go all zoom, right? but I hope we don't go no zoom because flying in someplace for a two hour audit committee meeting and then jumping on a plane and flying home is probably not the most effective thing. And I think one right. of the things that'll happen with boards is they'll have a bunch of meetings by zoom but then when they do get together in person, they'll get together for a longer period of time and mm-hmm. have more informal interaction. And you will actually get to know your fellow board members mm-hmm. by meeting in person for fewer, longer periods and not, you, you know, what do you accomplish in terms of relationships when they fly in and then fly out immediately? Yeah, it's a, uh, it's, I think it's a good hybrid approach to it because um, mm-hmm. like, what is gained over the screen is significant. Um, it cuts back on travel. Mm-hmm. It's very convenient. Um, but there's, there, there's the human element that, uh, is cut, you yep. know? So yep. it's like, uh, it's, uh, there's no replacement for a face to face like we're doing right now. Right. Um, exactly. and, uh, and have it. Yeah. It makes perfect. Yep. It's a good idea. Yeah, This would not be the same conversation if I, Walked across the street to my house and <laughs> and called you on the phone and didn't, yeah, yeah, yeah. didn't did even over, FaceTime did it, you. Know. Did it over Zoom. Uh, yeah, you still, know what's uh, interesting right. that I, one of the things I like about the you know look for good things about COVID. One of the things I like mm-hmm. about it is it shifted the debate. The debate used to be when I remember in, in back in L when I was working in L.A. and in the I guess it was early '90s. Um, Pacific Telesis had billboards that said on the freeways that said, you're a fool if you drove to work today, <laughs> that everybody should work from home and telecommute. Well, at the time, it was dial-up internet, and Pacific Telesis was making a zillion dollars an hour for mm-hmm. people dialing up. And of course, they wanted you to stay home and be that. on your yeah. computer, your yeah. dial-up computer. And of course, it didn't work. But the the and pe- but of course, people would, frustrated with their commutes, would say, um, you know, I need to work from home, and a lot of people would come to me, and I just, I, I said, you know, if it's all or nothing, 
working at home, then the e- answer's easy, nothing. <laughs> and I think now we're finally realizing that you can do one or two or even three days at home. You can't do it all at home, but you don't need to do it all in person either. And then we can combine the two and that people can. So I hear of a lot of places that are going to come in three days a week and concentrate the in-person meetings in those three days. Mm-hmm. And then the other days you can work from home. You can do your reading, do your writing, whatever you it process, is. And I think that'll work well when you think about most jobs. Process, like yeah. process the in-person time at home. Yeah. You know, biochemistry is, labs won't necessarily work that way, but the, yeah. you got to be in, have equipment. And when you have an internet connection and, yeah. you know, everything's, uh, COVID is yeah. a game changer. But we there finally is, figured out 30 years later, we've figured out that all or nothing shouldn't be the, yeah. shouldn't be the choices. It took, uh, the planet <laughs> Inter- intervening mother nature <laughs> mother nature uh, puts her foot down once again yeah. i think we're is, all going to be more effective after this there is uh such a cool if you have a healthy workspace um uh, such a cool element of interaction casual interaction that leads to discovery yeah and like it's like the water cooler that it, thing absolutely. you know what i'm saying it's like walking down the hall Everyone's working and pulling the same direction, but sometimes when you least expect it, you have a conversation, a conversation mm-hmm. with somebody, and you, it pulls out what you might be mulling over for the yeah. last few hours or days or yeah. whatever. That which doesn't necessarily could maybe happen over Zoom, but it might not. The yeah. human element. It absolutely. And, and I'll just give you one example. Where I was um, uh, board chair at NPR. Um, I had a little visitor's office that I used when I was there, and it happened to be in the same um, vicinity as you share the same coffee room with these two Palestinian, um, I'll call them kids, they're in their probably late 30s, but um, uh, that started Throughline. I don't know if you've heard that podcast. Look it up. It's it's basically, it uses recent history um, to put in context current events. It's really good. I highly recommend it. But, you know, I helped support them and get them going. And it was literally because they and I were both coffee addicts and I kept running into them in the coffee room and asked them what they were working on and what they were thinking about. And, um, you know, that was the connection. I never would have, I, you know, I probably they could have found me somehow because we were in the same building mm-hmm. but just, there was something about the informal interactions mm-hmm. hey what are you working on um mm-hmm. that got that going that never would have happened if we were all remote and you can tell i mean that's where like the it's like the unspoken like the genus aqua or vibe like mm-hmm. wait a minute i think there are people in the world that are like kind of similar to you as an individual and you just kind of like everything's kind of working and flowing right now. I guess it's yeah. like the idea of maybe like a soulmate yeah. if you went to for Mary or, or even just like a, 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 you just like, and that happens by coffee, yeah. by walking down, by talking. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. And they, yeah, you know, we're, 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 yeah. but then they weren't people I would have run into somewhere else. They were young Palestinian journalists for God's sake. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I would, I, you know, I wouldn't have likely run into them at a Georgetown prep gathering right. or right. some of the other part of the beach or whatever else I yeah. go. And I'm an, you know, old white guy yeah. lawyer, uh, yeah. retired lawyer. So it, it, uh, it, it really, it's, it physically is a very important way of mixing people who don't, so important. Don't start out running in the same circles. So important. Yeah. Um, that's what St. John's is doing. Uh, 
they slashed their, slashed their tuition by like a third. Wow. In order to, this is a couple of years ago, in order to make it more appealing to a more diverse yeah. uh, student body. And the whole idea of St. John's, as you know, it's a seminar, it's a conversation, yeah. you know, and uh, the more varying backgrounds you have there, um, uh, reading the text and then like thinking with their background through the text into words, the better, you yeah. know, so. Yeah, and every, you know, you, you, the internet and letters and writing and all these other non-interpersonal forms of communication yeah. really are they they aren't good at breaking barriers because they don't necessarily focus you on what you have in common when you when you find things you have in common with people whose backgrounds are completely different from yours it's almost always through a chance conversation. Yeah, and yeah. You talk no about agenda. Your, yeah, no agenda. You just talk about your childhood and yeah. you talk about things that are important to you and things you're doing and you you know go back and forth on things like that. And that just, that doesn't happen over Zoom. No, no. You so. know, one of the, talking about what's good about Zoom, I was, I uh, uh, got on a couple minutes early on a Princeton board call. Yeah. And, we have people of all ages because they have a couple of spots set aside for recent graduates yeah. that are on the board. And I just happened to get on and there were two, one older and one recent student, two minuscule women on the call, just very, very, just happened to be very tiny <laughs> women. And we just got to talking about Zoom, but they were talking about how how much they liked Zoom because there's no such thing as a large man on <laughs> Zoom. And so often, you know, the, the, the focus of the room is kind of Newtonian, that the, the, the more gravity you displace, mm -hmm. the more comfortable you feel talking, mm -hmm. <laughs> and the more deference you get. Yeah. And they said, you know, at least on Zoom... Nobody's large. I feel yeah. so. They, they each of them said, "I feel so much more comfortable." Yeah, being it's interesting. Being yeah. tiny because no one zooms, and of course, you know, Zoom. Nobody can see your jewelry. No one can. No one's dressed better than anybody else. Uh, no one has more turns than anybody else because yeah. you're not just blurting things out. And I, that's one of the things I hope we keep is just kind of remembering that um, that deference to displacement of matter is not necessarily the best way to to have a meeting. Yeah. That's a really good point. It's uh egalitarian. Yeah. In a way. Everyone it helps yeah. to level the playing field. Yeah. Um cuz everyone sort of looks the same size yeah. from the sternum yeah. up. <laughs> yeah. You're, you're the same person. Yeah. Everybody's yeah, yeah, the same yeah. person. Everybody's just it's a little refreshing. Hollywood Squares box. So, exactly. Exactly know. right. Good. Uh, you know, West Coast. I'd grown up. I grew up in D.C. Yeah, yeah. I came back to D.C. Um, and you know, I I um, I chose not to live in Montgomery County. Three of my siblings, um, actually four of my six siblings, yeah. five siblings live live in Montgomery County. And I decided I just to slip into hanging out with the same people and doing the same thing. Yeah. So I lived in Capitol Hill, then in Arlington. Virginia, um, but the, um, you know, D.C. is, 
there's very many exciting things about DC. Yeah. So when I when we moved to LA, I'd really the, you and the, Heather, the move, yeah, the Heather and I moved there, and and actually Beep and Blythe were uh, one and four at the time, so mm-hmm. they were born in DC but spent most of their lives in LA. <clears throat> but one of the things I I wanted to get out of private practice of law mm-hmm. just because of the time element involved, and I just felt I could be uh, I could be impactful without staying till midnight. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. just so much about the whole structure of private practice that puts such an emphasis on working long rather than working hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and you know, work, not wisdom is the... Mm-hmm. So uh, I knew I went, and I'd, I'd worked in an in-house uh, legal department at, uh, at Vanguard when I was a law mm-hmm. clerk uh, during law school. So I'd been at the SEC for three years as a regulator, then I'd gone to Deckert, the firm, and... I'd become a partner in the firm, so I could have, you know, stayed there for a career. But um, I, I just, after nine years there, I just said, you know, I really, I really want to be in in conversations. I want to be not just the guy who brings the legal perspective. And when you're the outside counsel, nobody wants to hear your views about what color the marketing materials. Yeah. should be for your new mutual funds. Yeah. And that was my business. And I really wanted to have a broader engagement. So I wanted to be both. I knew I knew wasn't going to be um, immediately picking the stocks, and I never actually picked the stocks, but I wanted to have a broader engagement. Yeah. The marketing material, the, 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 you know, just the structure. You wanted to do more. You wanted to, I wanted to do my, I wanted have to more influence. Yeah, yeah, I didn't want everybody to turn and, to me and say, how long will it take to get this through the SEC? I wanted yeah. to talk about... What was a you nuts, know nuts what was a good idea? Yeah, exactly. to nuts. Yeah, what should yeah. we be investing in, and how should we characterize it? Yeah. So I and I knew I wanted to do that eventually, and so I got a good offer from Capital Group, and yeah. started out as almost purely lawyer, and then eventually I retired as chairman of the board. So yeah. I you know moved along, but the West Coast East Coast thing, I just found one of the things I said to my friends. I go, I said, you know, people in particularly in the legal community, but people in L.A work just as hard as people in the East. They just don't talk about how hard they're working. Yeah. And they talk about, one thing, if, if, if you if you went to somebody in L.A. who, you know, you'd be, be hard-charging professionals, and you said, what do you do? They would tell you their hobbies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I've I, heard that. I coached soccer um, for Beep's uh, kindergarten division teams. Mm-hmm. And... I got to know all the other coaches, and no one ever asked me what I did. It didn't yeah. matter. Yeah, and it was great, and and yet and yet it was a serious professional thing. And I just, I think in D.C. sometimes part of it is because so many people come to D.C. for a few years for the specific purpose of uh, of accelerating their careers. Yeah, that we become so career focused. And I had so many occasions when I would be in D.C. at a party. And someone would meet me, and they would, they would ask very pointed questions about me, not to find a common topic of interest, yeah. but to find out how important I was, yeah. and whether I was worth spending time yeah. on talking yeah. to at the party. And yeah. I, I just said, you know what, no uh, this is this is before you before uh, you picked up and, yeah. and moved out there, yeah. back in the seventies, yeah. And when I when I uh, eighty five, we moved out. Cool. But when I came, you know, when I come back now. I, it's great, but I'm I'm in it, but not of it, and yeah. I, I just and it, it um, it's tough on young people to be judged, and have people thinking, okay, you know, 
I'm going to ask you probing questions to figure out how important you are, and then I'll either turn on my heel and go back to the bar and get another drink, or I will continue to talk to you. And I said, geez, you know, talk to people who are interesting. Talk to people from whom you can learn, not just people who can advance your career. Yeah. It's really really an empty. It's, uh, I mean, yes. Um, I think that uh, I asked that question. Uh, maybe I'm naive in a way thinking that everyone is doing something that they love, <laughs> yeah. you know? So if I ask that question, that'll help me understand the individual better, you know, <clears throat> even if it might not be what they love, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. it's like, it's, it's number one. It's like, let's talk, you can start talking about the weather and go from there. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. Um, it's a facilitator, sure. it's opener. Um, yeah. but it, it does reveal some, obviously a large side of him, of yeah. him or her, um, as to, you know, what yeah. there's, they're there's spending a, nobody, a chunk of time yeah. doing. There's nobody who's uninteresting, and there's a small percentage of people who can actually advance your career, but if if you're thinking of the latter, you're going to miss all the interesting people, and people let are it come, just different, let it come, yeah. people are really interesting. So, so one of the things I talk to kids, I, I you know, I... Um, have a bunch of, we Heather and I for years have been supporting this internship program at Princeton and they it's called Princeton Internships in Civic Service and they work at nonprofits for the summer and then we support them and then we're kind of their mentors and also I was uh, on the board for 20 years at Penn Law School and chairman for seven and so I got involved with a lot of kids who were thinking about law school and I I you know take them to a class or something so that they could really figure it out. But in the, in the coaching of kids, I find that a lot of times they pull out that their, their career search is pulling out the Bureau of Labor Statistics, 50,000 name job categories and working backwards. And I tell them, no, 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 don't work backwards from the job descriptions, work forward from you. And don't think of it in terms of time. Think about who am I? What do I do? Okay, what what's a good day for me? When am I? You know, when am I? Am I most engaged when I'm in a meeting with other people? Am I most engaged one on one with another person? Am I most engaged when I'm sitting alone reading? Is it a combination? Do you need all of those? Um, do you like you know speaking publicly, small groups? writing, marking up other people's writing, what kinds of things that you, experiences that you've had engage you, and then pick those out and then work forward and decide, okay, you know, I'm going to have a few thousand Tuesday mornings between 10 and 11. I want to enjoy what I do. I don't just want to approve of the title of who I am. That's not me. It's what I'm doing. And also, if you're not engaged, you're, um, if you're not fully engaged, you're not going to be good at it. So it doesn't even matter if you, you know, pass all the tests and get all the credentials. So I, I talk to people about, I, the other thing I tell them is, is particularly in your summers when you're in college, I really discourage them from, if they want to be an investment person, from having three internships at an investment firm. Yeah. You're, you're, that's, those aren't the people who are going to be creative and and think outside the box and do right. things. Go, you know, go be the stage manager of a ballet or yeah. something. Do something completely different while you can. 
because that's what makes people learn. When I'm looking at resumes, I like to re, you know, I like to see people not who've not gotten their ticket punched, yeah. but who've gone and explored other things. And the wilder it is, the more I like it. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, do something <clears throat> that uh, you might be into or curious about. Yeah, but it might maybe it might lead to a, a profession later in life, or maybe not. Maybe, maybe just a not. hobby. You know, well, like, what I tell <clears throat> kids is, you're going to college and even grad school to prepare for your last job, not your first job. And your line. last job it's is going to be dealing with people, not with stuff. And the other thing I say, I said this to to Beep when he was, Beep was loved history, but he was thinking about majoring in economics just so he'd get his first job in investments. And I said, well, you, you don't like economics. You love history. Why not that? And I said, you know, in I majored in economics, but now that I'm in my last job, hi- historical texts and people relationships and others are way more important. And by the way, all the economic theories, the Keynesian economic theories that I learned have been repealed and overturned. All the finance theories I learned in business school have been superseded. All the laws I learned in law school have been repealed. Mm -hmm. So what am I left with? I'm left with skills, period. None of the stuff matters anymore. The process. Yeah, it's the process of learning. It's the communication skills. It's the analytical skills. It's the creativity skills. It's the interpersonal skills. It's nothing that you know because that'll be gone. And by the way, I tell most kids, you're going to have a job that hasn't been invented yet. What do you study for that? There's nothing you can study because it hasn't it hasn't been invented yet, so it's clearly not a course. Yeah, yeah. You uh, saw you the other day on the elliptical, and I'm like, you're grinding, and, uh, <laughs> and I'm like, think about that. It's like you get on the thing, you don't move an inch. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you're done. So you go half hour, but it's not like where you've gotten to. You yeah, know? exactly. It's like the, the process of like grinding on the thing, which makes you better. Yeah. You know? Right. The same thing for the rowing machine. You're not, yeah. you don't go anywhere. Uh-uh. You know, on the thing it says you've gone eight kilometers or whatever, but, and even but, like, but the truth is you haven't gone an inch. Even if I go for a run, I'll, yeah. I, I arrive back at the same place I started. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, it's just an analogy, a way of looking at it's, uh, it's what, you do every day you know it's uh how you it's not necessarily the job you get um yep. it's uh understanding yourself what what engages you like you like to say mm-hmm. and uh as best you can if you have that skill set some people are more people and, uh, than others social than others yep. to under, try to understand people which also will direct a light back to yourself right. to understand your You know what else you. I tell kids is something I did actually as an undergraduate. I had no idea what I wanted to do with my life yeah. <clears throat> undergraduate and it changed several times. But, um, well, first of all, I tell them it's okay to have a plan as long as you don't follow it. Uh, <laughs> but, but if you do have it's a plan, have a plan. <laughs> make the plan, but make the plan about you, not about job names. So yeah. think about if your plan is develop, your trend should be develop these skills, find a way to exploit these skills, find a way to exploit these interests rather than um, ticket punched, um, mm-hmm. you know, cr- resume building. But anyway, the, the um, mm-hmm. I, I really didn't have much idea, but one of the things I did, I, did, I don't know how I got into this, but um, the Princeton has an alumni magazine that comes out once a month and it's, as you would expect, it's full of obituaries um, mm. of different people from different classes. 
And an obituary is a mini biography. And I would read those and I would say, okay, at some point in his life, and it was all his then because we hadn't become co-educational, at some point, in, at, at, at a point in his life, he was exactly me. He was a Princeton student finishing Princeton. And he might have had more opportunities or wealth or something than I did, but truly he was me. And then I would read his biography and what he did with his life. And I would think about, okay, I wonder why he did that. And then I wonder why he switched from this job to that. You know, you'd read about some guy who did yeah. commercial lending at a bank and then at age 50 left to build model. I don't know. I had one that I saw like this. He left to. to sit in Cape Cod and build model boats um, <laughs> as art. And I think, okay, what what was going on there? Yeah, yeah. Um, and and I, I, it, it just allowed me to, it gave me a, a, a viewpoint just by looking at other people, at lots of, you know, hundreds of other people's experiences, just to think of, and to think about their motivations and who they were and what skills they didn't, how they made the decisions. It just gave me a really good perspective on it. And of course, a lot of it was, um, recognizing that people didn't maximize their income, that a lot of them, you know, practiced law for a while, then taught. Um, um, people would be an investment banker and then a high school teacher, and I just thought, okay, the, the, these people didn't maximize income. Maybe, even though I've started in the 10th decile, maybe when I get to the first decile, I don't need to stay there yeah. that long. That's right. Things like that. But you get the, you get those, um, again, it's it's mini biographies. Yeah. Um, a lot of people read the obits and they get depressed. <laughs> well, you get... <laughs> you know, you know I mean, yeah. I, 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 I'm like, you know, but uh, it's, uh, yeah, it's, um, the, the, you know, time, I like this, this line, time is the ultimate scarce commodity. Yeah, you know, and uh, what are you gonna really do with your years and, and months and days? And they start to go so fast, and you're like jeezy yeah. peasy. Yeah, uh, and uh, yeah. Well, I mean, but what I, you, tell, what you, I also you, tell the kids, don't lead somebody else's life or yeah. somebody else's idea. And you yeah. get so many kids, especially high achieving kids, that are Princeton, that they their parents are telling them what to be and. Yeah pushing them yeah. and, you know, thinking that they need to do something prestigious and they just have a really hard time, you know, getting away from other people's expectations of what is a good thing to do if you've started out with these skills and all. And it, it just is, it's very hard to get them to see a bigger perspective. I don't want them to do nothing, but I, I, I hope they'll feel that they can do anything. You want them to be liberated. You want them to understand. Yeah. I always I use the analogy. Um, there's a um, the eclipse. There's like there's like something inside of you that's usually speaking truth to yeah. you. You yeah. know, and so that's like um, a light. Yeah. And you let that light be in perfect eclipse with what your actions are on the outside is yeah. like the goal. Yeah. Um, but a lot of times. That light kind of is, is off, or I should say, your actions aren't quite in, aligning with the light, right. um, and uh, and it's and it's hard for for young for young people to because uh, it's like you want them to be, 
you want them to be wise, but they need time to be wise. You right. can't. There's no yeah. w- wisdom yeah. bottles in the wisdom no, store. Absolutely, you got to You got to. It's earned. Yeah, you know, and that's why you know the people with the highest IQs and the highest grades don't run the place. The people that have been there the longest run yeah. the place. And yeah, it's because wisdom and experience yeah matter. You know, one interesting thing: the, the failure. Um, <clears throat> I'm I'm friendly with Meg Whitman. Actually, her son's a really good friend of mine. We're on the rugby board at Princeton together, and I knew I've known her for a bunch of years. And read her book recently, and she came and gave a talk in uh, Pasadena at the Huntington. And <clears throat> she said the reason that Silicon Valley is so successful is because it's the one place where failure is a badge of honor. Mm-hmm. Not a not, not a, a that's something that that that, yeah. that that ruins your career, and she says the more times you've failed, what we figure in Silicon Valley is, the more you've learned, mm-hmm. and therefore the better you are going to be in the next experience, and everywhere else a failure is is a failure. It's not a learning experience. It's because it's viewed through other people's lenses, and they label it as a failure. I mean, that's the pure philosophical approach, is that, like, you know, it's just you versus you. It's you versus kind of the world, and, you know, you define it as a failure or a success. You know, what are are those? There's that poem, that if poem. They're both imposters, failures and successes. Well, if you're afraid to fail, you're afraid to take any chances, and you're afraid to have learning experiences. And I've known so many people in business that that never took a chance and Mm. never would even take on anything at which they couldn't be perfect. And it's so limited them because they were just limited to what you could do perfectly. I think it's uh, the idea of maybe taking yourself seriously, but not too seriously. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. being okay to fail. And then also, which I think you do a great job. Like you have a great sense of humor. Yeah. And to be able to laugh at, your, at yourself, especially. <laughs> yeah. You know, there's a cool St. John's quote about you know conversations like serious conversations about books and things um but it's like in a conversation especially serious conversations uh a sense of humor is like really appreciated oh <laughs> oh you you got to i I'd, I'd use that all the time particularly yeah. as a board chair i need yeah. to, you know because if people aren't yeah. laughing then yeah. they're, then they're they're likely to be shouting yeah uh, but you just yeah. got you got to break it up and and it, it also the the humor puts things in perspective uh-huh, exactly. it's a great way of getting back to think you know it's yeah. it's it's it's, a, it's, a, it's like a recess it's a pause uh-huh. you know, if somebody says something funny and but it's it also can point out okay guys this is serious but it's not life-threatening let's get on to it let's make a decision let's not you know be angry over it because there's a lot on lot to recommend either side of this decision let's respectively respectfully do it and uh and get on with it and i think i find that to be a really uh, i find humor to be a really useful board chair uh trait implement or yeah and it's uh and it allows for people to be on the same page or yeah. allows people to have empathy or sympathy it's just like every it's a, it's a universal language and yep. yeah it just calms around it's like yeah let's never take a deep breath <laughs> well, the, you know the the young people in the room are going to naturally the young and newer and less important people in the room less important in the hierarchy, um, people in the room are always going to be intimidated. And 
you know, you don't have to overdo it by being totally self-deprecating. But if they can, if they can hear about a struggle um, that somebody's had, I, I did a thing. I was, I did a lunch. Uh, it was actually the because the Facebook oversight board started during COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, many of the people have not met each other. In DC, we have about a dozen employees, but no office yet mm-hmm. because we, you know, it. We'll, we'll get one eventually. It's a but matter of when it began. So, yeah, you know? exactly. So um, I had a lunch just a couple weeks ago for the, uh, the kids, and many of them lived a few blocks apart. They're young single kids living around DuPont Circle, and they lived a few blocks apart, but they never laid eyes on each other. So I had this lunch at the Army and Navy Club, and I, I don't know how that came up, but one of the guys was talking about a course that – Somehow in a, in, a, in a completely separate conversation, he mentioned a course that just crushed him in college. And I said, well, you know, for me, that was linear algebra that kept me from getting a, going on to mm-hmm. get a Ph.D. in economics. So I went to law school and business school and loved my career. And I'm so glad I got crushed by linear algebra. But it started and I but I went around the table. And what was really interesting was. No one even needed to think about it. Everybody had a course that crushed them. Everybody's course was different. One, you know, one guy would say, "I got crushed by computer science, so I majored in religion." The very next guy would say, "I got crushed by every course that wasn't computer science," and the next guy got crushed by accounting, and then the next person majored in accounting. And what it sort of taught us was that. There's many kinds of smart. Nobody's all of them. And very few people, if any, are none of them. And that it, it's really, and that, and that, you know, a lot of this is about, a lot of success is about finding fit. And which, okay, which are the things that appeal to you? So, you, you know, you don't pursue the thing that crushed you, but respect the people who weren't crushed by that for whom it was their favorite course. And you'll... You'll find those, and so now I I just found that as a as a tool when you have a broad range. I mean, I was three times the age of some of the kids in the room. That when you have a broad range of people and backgrounds and experiences, if you go around and don't talk about a failure because that gets too personal, just talk about a course that, that course, they yeah. wished they hadn't signed up for because <laughs> everybody's got that, and it's not as humiliating as yeah, yeah, saying yeah. I you know it's packaging. Yeah, it's packaging. So it's a, it's a good topic. I recommend it for uh, as an icebreaker in a group. It'll never fail. And a lot of people have very funny stories. Heather uh, Heather's course that crushed her at Vassar was uh, she decided to take astronomy. And she thought it would be picking out the constellations. And it was physics. And she got just crushed. And she said... Um, she, I guess she, she got a D or a D minus or something, so she passed. But uh, professor wrote on her exam, "This is somewhere between science fiction and astrology." <laughs> but uh, you worked so hard, I'm going to give you a D and pass yeah. you. So, Mercy. <laughs> yeah, and of course she did great in other yeah, things, and yeah. she's chairman of the board of Africa Wildlife very, Foundation. Very smart. Very sharp. And it's hardly it's hardly wrecked her career, but. Indi- indicative of someone's intellect, you know. It's yeah. like no one can be good at everything, you yeah. know. Obviously, but you and know, like, it was this, it was a wonderful experience for her, yeah. as was linear algebra for me. Yeah. 
And if you, if we'd only been thinking about our grade point average, right. or only thinking about you know success or, or afraid of failure, we never would have taken those. Correct, correct. It was for me. It was um, um, calculus. Yeah, freshman year. Yeah, <laughs> number one. It was Monday, Wednesday, Friday at nine a.m. Yeah, which is which is like all right, I get up for high school at like seven. Yeah, no problem. I just got to walk across the quad. It's a game here in college. Yeah. <laughs> you know? You're not getting up at seven anymore. You know, so I missed once a week. You yeah. know, got a tutor, and I struggled to get a D. Yeah. You know, and then that like, it, so it, yours linear algebra, mine's calculus. Yeah. Those are similar sort of fields. We're similar sort of people. I love being around people, yeah. and uh, you know, yeah. and so yeah. do you. It's like it, it's um, a, a good thing because it helps yeah. you identify what you really like to do and. And what you're yeah. what you're good at, it reminds you need, you need this, those yeah, things. It reminds me of the scene in Tommy Boy where he's uh, they posted the grades on the board, and there's a bunch of kids around it, and they're looking for their A's yeah. or whatever like that. And he's in the back, and he spots his name, and he said, "I got a D, I got a D, yeah. fabulous! I'm yeah. so happy!" And he's high fiving everybody, and they're all looking at him like he's yeah. out of his mind. Yeah, yeah. So relative, it's it's everything. It's context relative yep. to the it's all context. to the thing. You know, you could be, you know, you just want. I just wanted to get a D. You know, <laughs> and then the guy next to me, yeah. you know, he wanted to get an, again an A plus. Yeah, and he got an A minus. He's like, Dah. I got the D. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I was the Tommy Billy boy. <laughs> Billy boy, yeah, you're Tommy Billy boy. I didn't, I didn't pursue any more uh, calculus. No more calculus. No, I did physics too. Then and I was like, no, it's not it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but uh, that's how you learn. Yeah. That's how you learn. Exactly how you learn. Yeah. Pose of Community is a hyper-local approach to the podcast. Jeffy Chase Bethesda Kensington, Washington, D.C. A podcast of people who are pillars unto themselves, and because of that, they stand pillars of our community. It begins by being your best self, your best pillar. Then, just like that, magically, whether you know it or not, the community will feel your effect. These people are pillars of community. Be a pillar. Thank <laughs> you.